Coming up, we'll talk standalone dirt races and where exactly they fit in the course of a dirt racing season. Plus the weekend's results. Let's go. It's Monday, October 31st. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. We'll definitely get into the results and action from this past weekend of dirt racing in a bit, but I wanted to talk first about the idea of standalone dirt races. Two of the main shows from this past weekend were the National 100 at East Alabama for late models and Sprinttoberfest at Bridgeport Motorsports Park, which was for sprint cars. Both of, races, uh, both of those races were unsanctioned. And the events were really able to take center stage because none of the main touring series were uh, racing over the weekend, which brought obviously in more eyeballs and better competition. But in the grand scheme of dirt racing, where do races like this kind of fit in? What do they really mean as part of the 2022 racing season? I believe that one of the big issues facing dirt racing for the future is continuing to attract new fans. And one of the roadblocks for doing that is that the sport is insanely nuanced. It takes quite a bit of knowledge and experience to understand that Brandon Overton winning $30,000 in the National 100 on Flow Racing has absolutely nothing to do with Tim McCready's Lucas Championship that also got watched on Flow Racing, or the Flow Racing Night in America series that Brandon Shepard is set to control. It's a heavy lift, uh, lift to ask new fans to know the difference between the 410 races we saw at Bridgeport over the weekend versus the outlaw race that happened there back on May 17th and the all-star show that was there on August 25th, especially when a lot of the same guys raced in all three weekends. I know that the sport was really kind of built off of big shows happening at various tracks that were not really related, and some of those getting organized and put into racing series, which is why we have things like the Word of Outlaws today. And when you talk about the benefits of racing series, we can mention things like points funds and rules consolidation, insurance, tow money. But one of the main benefits of them, at least from the fans' perspective, is they simplify and lower that barrier to entry. You're going to for sure see these 12 drivers. They race this schedule. Here's the basic format. You don't need to grasp the concept of pick and choose drivers. You don't need to guess on who might show up. Wait, how did they line these heat races up again? Who transfers? Those aren't questions that need to be asked. The series also provide a storylines and context for each race. That's why I like championships. That's why I made a, a t-shirt that says dirt racing or dirt late model championships matter because they do. It makes the story of a single race night much more layered and deep. This thing just happened in the dash, and here's why that's important going forward. The stakes are greater than just a paycheck at a window at the end of the night. And I've often thought about how we need some sort of almost like ranking system for the drivers and for the events. Think about like tennis or golf rankings. If you could really attack the daunting issue of ranking every 410 sprint car driver and every super lay model driver, you could then assign difficulty levels to races. And that would help us better understand where a race like the National 100 or Sprinttoberfest really fit into the season and how they compare to other races, whether it be a, another series race or another standalone race. And as a race fan, I'm wondering, are you okay with a race just being about a big check for a driver at the end of the feature and something to do for you on a Saturday night? Because as we look forward to a week like this one with World Finals on tap, this championship battle between Brad Sweet and David Gravel is going to make these three nights of World of Outlaws racing a little bit more special. There's going to be a lot more on the line here than just feature wins. And as I continue to try and prove, improve what I'm doing with these shows, I keep thinking about storytelling. And how do we as a community of dirt racing keep finding and telling good stories with the racing? 
Series and championships make that easier with some of it already built in, but standalone events are much more difficult with a much less clear connection to the rest of the racing season. Draw me uh, your thoughts below in the comments. Curious what you think about standalone events and kind of how they fit into the course of a season. Uh, since it's Halloween, let's do a little merch flash sale. If you use code GHOST, G-H-O-S-T, at checkout over at shop.dirttracker.com, you'll get 25% off your entire order. That code will expire at midnight Eastern tonight, so move fast if you want to take advantage. Uh, let's jump into the weekend's racing. I mentioned the National 100 uh, and Bridgeport, and we'll start there. At East Alabama, uh, Brandon Overton got by his brother Cody just past halfway and drove on to the $30,000 win, which was his second straight victory in that event. He went to the rear after an early flat tire and bounced back for the win. Tyler Erb ended up second, and Joseph Joyner was third in his first uh, big show with that new Longhorn chassis. Even with not a lot of competition on the weekend, the car count of 23 felt a little bit light for that one, especially with as much money was on the line. At Bridgeport on Saturday, Corey Eliasson outdueled Justin Peck for the opening night win. He was again driving that Indy Race Parts number 71 sprint car. On Sunday, things were looking very similar uh, to Saturday with Eliasson out front and Peck second, but near halfway, Eliasson slowed to a stop after losing power, and under that same caution, we also lost second running Peck to mechanical woes. So on the restart, Gio Selzy was promoted to the lead from third, and he was untouched the rest of the way to score the $15,000 win. We should see a good number of these drivers and teams that competed at Bridgeport travel to Charlotte this week for World Finals. I, I saw Johnny Gibson tweet uh, that Johnny thinks we could be over 50 cars for World Finals for at least the sprint car portion anyway. That would be pretty sweet. At Georgetown Speedway, we got the final short track Super Series event of the year for the South Region and Elite Series. Matt Williamson picked up the $25,000 victory, holding off Matt Shepard late in that one. And as expected, Shepard clinched the South and Elite Championships for the Short Track Super Series after already previously locking up the North Region title. He'll now go to World Finals this week with the Super Dirt Car Series title, basically just a formality at this point. He's going to show up and be the champion for that series as well. In an interview with Flow Racing, Shepard said they've been so busy as of late racing and working on the cars to get them ready for the racing that they haven't even had a chance to celebrate any of the success they've had, especially over the last two months. Following Saturday's show, they were headed home to work Sunday and Monday to get their equipment ready for Charlotte, and then they'd be back on the road again. That's crazy. Out West, the USAC Sprint Car competitors were at Cocopa Speedway in Arizona for the Western World. Friday night, it was domination from Emerson Axum, who led all 30 laps and scored his first victory since the opening weekend at Bubba Raceway Park way back in February. Jake Swanson and Matt Westfall completed the night's podium. Brady Bacon gave up ground to Justin Grant for that championship because of a flat tire after making contact with the wall. Bacon was able to race back to 10th, but Grant ended up with a top five on the night. On Saturday night, uh, six starting Jake Swanson got by Robert Ballou with 13 to go and uh, drove off to his first national win in nearly a year. Headed to Paris in California next, uh, Swanson will definitely be one to watch for race wins because this was the event that he won last year. Uh, Bacon's fifth, along with Grant's ninth, means the points gap is now 83 with just three race nights left. Barring issues here for JG, this thing looks like it's pretty well wrapped up for that NOS team. Uh, one other USAC note for you, Logan Seavey and Daniel Whitley will pilot Abacus Racing entries for the USAC Midget West Coast Swing coming up. And this comes after Maria Kofer announced her retirement from racing and departure from Abacus, citing her long-term health. Uh, good luck going forward to Maria Kofer. In California on Saturday night, uh, the second-to-last NARC Sprint Car event of the season went down at Kern County. Dominic Selzy is trying to wrap up the NARC title for the second straight year, but he was out early with mechanical issues, finishing 18th. 
Willie Croft couldn't capitalize, though, as he also went out early as well after a crash. Headed to the finale, Dom has a 65-point lead and just needs to make a qualifying lap to clinch the championship. The night's feature at Kern County was dominated by Shane Golovic, who topped Corey Day and Justin Sanders. That show also included Carson and Cole Macedo and Ryan Timms. The NARC season ends Saturday night, this coming up week at Stockton. Uh, with Millbridge's micro show getting rained out today, the streaming schedule uh, is pretty quiet. Just flow racing 24-7 going on. Uh, to see the full daily streaming schedule with links to watch, visit dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. That Millbridge show was supposed to be Monday, Tuesday. It's now been moved to Tuesday, Wednesday, if you're curious about that. Uh, that's it for the show today. Have a good Monday. Please hit that like button and subscribe to the show if you don't do so already. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow for more Dirt Tracker Daily.